New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting award-winning documentary filmmaker Dan Drayson. He's a filmmaker of the documentary Calling Earth and also the author of A New Science of the Afterlife, Space, Time, and the Consciousness Code. I'm speaking with Dan at his home by remote connection. Welcome, Dan, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to be on the other side of the microphone for Exactly, once. because Dan and I work together, and all of you who have listened to Dan, you know his voice from uh, being the announcer of our programs on for New Dimensions. So here we are, on another side of the, of the microphone this time. And you know, Dan, in your book, um, you really present how the predominant cultural belief is in materialism and how this has deeply skewed our understanding of the nature of reality. What I'd love for you to do is to talk about this practice of materialist ideology and how it negates the broader and more accurate and authentic picture of reality. So how is our view being skewed by materialism, Dan? I think materialism as we know it today was partly a result of how uh, science developed as it split off from religion during the Renaissance. And in order to make that split, it had to focus on the material world because it needed hard evidence and it needed a, a, a territory of research that could produce tangible results. And we've seen the outcome of that today. Dan, do we think that like it also came out of the mechanistic way, like new machines were being invented, the steam engine, and right. people were looking at reality like it worked like a clock, I guess. Right. One of the outcomes of this uh, trajectory of science is this clockwork notion of how the universe works and how everything works. And that's true up to a point in what we call the material realm, which is not just matter. It's matter, energy, space, and time. But our materialist perspective keeps us focused on the matter part more than anything else. In any case, this trajectory of science uh, over the past three, 400 years has been useful to us in our civilization. It's also damaging, as we have come to learn. But it's a phase that will, one way or another, come to a, a conclusion, and then we'll be in another age following that. But in its denial of religion, materialist science concurrently denied the possibility of anything that it couldn't account for. So it had to be able to count it and quantify it. Right. But ironically, as science developed, it started dealing in a whole realm of intangibles. For example, wireless communication. Until late in the, in the 19th century, the whole idea of electromagnetic waves, it wasn't even considered fantasy. It wasn't considered at all. And that's somewhat analogous to our culture's attitude towards what we call the afterlife. 
Right. So as science developed, it began to look beyond what we with our physical senses can perceive. And so we take for granted now, even within the scientific paradigm, an expanded notion of reality. But eventually, materialist science came up against a certain sort of philosophical boundary in its exploration of reality. And uh, up until, say, even the 1970s or so, the whole idea that our consciousness uh, continues beyond our physical existence or may pre-exist it, this was left to the purview of religion. This, I think, is called the hard problem of science, I think is what they say, because it's like there's no explanation about our relationship of the physical phenomena and the phenomena of consciousness, where they put it in, as you were saying, in in religion, but it's not part of science. Right. Our alphabet of choices runs all the way from A to B. You know, if it's not conventional science, it's conventional religion. But that distinction started to soften up a bit, beginning in the 1970s, particularly when modern medical science had advanced to the point where it could resuscitate people who had been declared clinically dead for some period of time. And many of these people started reporting experiences that they'd had when their bodies were flatlined. No brain function, no breath, no heart activity. These experiences included, for example, uh, being able to witness their bodies from the outside. If the death took place in a, in a hospital environment, these people reported having witnessed the surgery or whatever the procedure was. Or even the conversations of the surgeons. Right. And not only the conversations of the surgeons, but the conversations of people who were sitting out in the hallway and down around the corner in the hospital building. At the outset, these were kind of dismissed as, well, maybe there's brain activity we don't know about that can you know, function uh, when, when the body is flatlined. But after a while, that became a, a, quite an insufficient explanation because these individuals were able, as I say, to perceive events taking place outside the operating room. So this launched the uh, field of near-death studies. And um, the birth of the IANDS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, which has chapters on, they say, every continent except Antarctica, and that began to study and compare notes on increasing numbers of people who had reported these experiences of consciousness after their bodies were clinically dead. Concurrently, studies into reincarnation have been done on a very uh, rigorous basis, as well as the work by Michael Newton, who was a hypnotherapist who started out in the 1970s, and some of his clients in deep hypnosis sessions, they would report experiences from between lifetimes. Uh, initially, Newton dismissed this as imagination, but then he started noticing distinct patterns that were consistent among his clients. And so he kind of, at one point, he threw up his hands and said, hey, I've got to be scientific about this. So he started recording these sessions and comparing the recordings. And um, long story short, this resulted in his first book, Journey of Souls, followed by a second book called Destiny of Souls. These books uh, explore this question of life between lives. And the way he documented it uh, from the sessions he did. Right. He simply brought sensible scientific procedure to these questions. This gave rise to a whole era of expansion of this research in general. 
near-death experience research, reincarnation research, which has been uh, done for quite some years at the University of Virginia, instrumental transcommunication, communication right. from the other right. side through electronics. And then there was traditional mental mediumship, which has experienced a renaissance in recent decades. There are quite a few mediums that have done really amazing work. One of yes. them is Suzanne Giesemann, who was a former um, United States Navy, highest ranking female naval officer. She had been a consultant to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And currently she is retired from the military. And she is a now well-known medium, published several books and yeah. so on. Then yeah. there's out-of-body experience research and practice. Dan, there was somebody that you quote in, in your book, then he says, we arbitrarily limit reality to what our incarnated consciousness can perceive through the peephole of our physical senses. I love that word. We're right. looking through the peephole of our physical senses. He ends it by saying, it is a numbing hypnosis. That's really what you're talking about, how we've we limit our potential of perceiving a greater reality. Mm -hmm. The sort of post-materialist revolution has really only just begun. It's only maybe 30, 40 years old in the West, but it's accelerating rapidly. If you uh, go to Amazon, click on books and type in afterlife, I think there's something like 50,000 results <laughs> come back. When When you talk about this, what do you see as the implication for all of this research, all these books, these people that are being very, very credible, that are having good research to say this is really happening, something is happening? What do you believe? How is it going to change our lives? What difference is it going to make in our everyday living? In the first chapters of my book, where I talk about materialism, I mentioned the consequences of materialism in our culture. Basically, we are a culture that fears death. What does that do to our priorities? We grow, we mature, we develop only to be tossed into the, the dust heap of physical decay. If we realize that it, it's more than that, it just raises the question of what our individual and collective human priorities can become. How we can deal with the problems that we that we face daily in, in our human lives, individually and collectively, to the extent that our lives are no longer fear-based in quite the same way. Because death is something to be feared, right? And it's inevitable. In a way, fear has become an underlying subconscious platform. How would your life be different if uh, the knowledge of a greater reality were part of your everyday reality? Oh, what a oh, thank you, Dan. If I'm going to survive this, if my conscious is going to survive this, I would want to, it to, to grow it as much as possible. So when I get into that other realm that I'm not on first base, but I'm on third base, so to speak, that I'm ahead, I'm a bit ahead, and maybe reincarnate in a way that I can be more effective in this realm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for the question. Now back at you, Dan. Well, one of the questions that, that comes up in the midst of all this kind of research is, is this the only place we can possibly reincarnate? Are there other realms 
Are there other civilizations out there in the physical cosmos where we can reincarnate to have a completely different experience? Or a place where we can bring the wisdom that we've acquired in this realm to other realms and both teach and learn in those realms, as it were. This relates uh, increasingly to the question of alien life. Recently, we've had an uh, admission by our military authorities that uh, the UFO is not just a, a fantasy or a case of mistaken identity, that there is some concrete evidence that we're not alone. Now, th those of us who have looked into this realize that the information that's been trickling out is just a tiny percentage of, of what's what's out there. Right. So there's this whole realm of um, post-materialist science that seeks to go beyond the, the limits of what we were taught reality is and what we have taken reality to be. In my book, I get into the question of language and how they, our languages tend to enforce and reinforce the, the fundamental assumptions of our cultures. And this is something we need to look beyond. And it's one, one reason why the longest chapter in my book is devoted to, to language, the problem of language, right. and how it limits us in our sense of reality. So uh, there, there are many directions in which this research can go in the, in the coming years, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it all goes. Oh, fabulous. Well, I, I know that our listeners can really hear the depth and breadth of what you have been looking at in your research and what you have put out for us in a very concrete way in a book and also in the film that you have produced called Calling Earth. So I just thank you so much, Dan, for being with us today. And I want to remind our listeners that Dan Drayson is an award-winning uh, documentary filmmaker. His, his film, Calling Earth, can be access by going to dandrason.com and he spells his last name d-r-a-s-i-n hello i'm justine willis toms welcome to the new dimensions cafe today i'm hosting award-winning documentary filmmaker dan drason and the consciousness code or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.